Well, I am excited, as always, to bring this morning what He has given me. And um, I, God spoke to me at the start of the year and said, Greg, I'm going to accelerate myself within you. And I'm just in awe at this word coming to fruition. My fingers can't write as quick as he's speaking. I think I might need to go see a physio. I'm getting RSI in my thumbs because I'm trying to type in my phone and write at the same time. And Thursday night, we gathered as elders and we spent time in prayer and just worshiping and praying for us as a church and what God's doing. And on the way home, God spoke to me in the car. And in the morning, just as clear as anything. And he's doing this more and more. And it's really awkward because you're not allowed to type and drive. And you want to capture everything he's saying in the moment because he speaks exactly in words that have an order and a function and a real clarity. It's like less is more. And you hear it and it's like, and I'm learning that it's to cap hear and capture the words because the words come in sequence and order and there's such a clarity to the way he gives the words. And I'm driving, and I remember being at the roundabout uh, just in London there, and he started, and I'm like, ah! And um, I'm like, oh, what do I do? I want to get home, but I also want to capture this. And so I was just speaking out loud what he was saying. <laughs> you do that? I start reciting what he's saying so I can hear it, so I can remember it in the way he, he gives it. He said this. He said, Greg, my son came. The Word of God came. Before there were words, there was the Word. My son is the Word. And he came and he spoke these words into the earth to build his kingdom. He came and he spoke words to build his kingdom, the temple, us. And his words build the kingdom within the temple, if we can hear them. And if we can understand them. He said the words that he spoke built the kingdom that he came and demonstrated. He said, but he also spoke words that spoke to the temple that man was building. He spoke those words and it exposed the temple that was being built by man on the earth. The fleshly attempts to build the church. He spoke to it and exposed it. He said they killed him for that. But he actually laid down his life for no one could take it from him. And he laid it down that the seed would fall to the ground, that many sons of glory would be brought to fruition through the words that the word speaks. Not through the attempt of man, through the words that the word speaks. And he said, because Jesus, he said, my son spoke words that are spirit and life. And they are words that build up, not pulled down. But they also expose everything that's being built by man. And so they killed him. But he gave his life. That many sons would receive the word that sets the church ablaze. I know this morning I've got a word that will fill you with power and fire if you can hear it. And then you've got to understand it. It's not just about hearing it. It's about hearing and understanding. It's about receiving it in your spirit and then having the spirit renew your mind that you can understand it and have the mind of Christ so now you can live it. I'm going to talk about hope. And I pray you can hear, and I pray you would go after. And if you have this hope, I pray you would jump up and do handstands and share it with everyone in the room, not necessarily while I'm speaking, but you can if you want, and just declare this reality to the rooftops. Faith, hope, and love. Come with me to 1 Peter 1. We're going to unpack the scriptures today, and I am excited, so forgive me if I get even more excited and start doing handstands and cartwheels here before you. How many people know his word will set you ablaze? The truth will set you free. The Bible says the truth will heal. The truth is a person. The person had words. You'll never understand the words unless you know the word. Because the words come from the word. You cannot separate the words and the word. In him is life. So many of us look for life outside of him. 
See, life has to come first. In Christ, there is life. Why do we look for life in anything other than Christ? Because there is no life outside of Christ. So why do we look? Why do we look for life in another person? You see, in Christ is life. Who came first? Christ. Then life. So life is found in Christ. Everything is found in Christ. There's the word, then there's the words. There was light, the light, and then there was light. Hear what I'm saying? First is him. Second is everything from him. All right, you ready? 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a what? Living hope. A living hope. What's a living hope? What's the difference between a living hope and a dead hope? Well, it's a hope that lives. It's something that stirs. It's something that creates life. It's something you live for. It's something that's real. It's something you can see. You can hear it. You're moving towards it. According to what? His great mercy. Do we understand the mercy of God? Because hope, living hope, is in accordance to his great mercy. If we don't understand just how merciful he is because of our truly fallen state and what he has saved us from, but what he has saved us for, we're going to struggle to understand a living hope. So in view of his incredible love, his incredible patience, his incredible love for us, his mercy for us, that we would wake up and understand as the body exactly who he is and exactly who we are in him and his purposes for us. In view of his mercy, he's so patient, wishing no one would perish, that we would understand, hear and understand, comprehend with all the saints just how incredible he is that we would live a life that is worthy of the calling that is upon us. This is what Paul is saying. In view of his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Have you been born again? Have you been born into a living hope? Do you have within you the living hope to which the born again life propelled you into? See, he came to take dead people and make them alive. He didn't come to take dead people and renew them to being dead people. It's not about modification. It's not about slightly changing and tweaking. It's about completely being brand new and having a brand new hope. What do you hope in? Who do you hope in? Have your hopes been crushed because you put your hope in the wrong thing? And when it didn't come to fruition, you would feel a sense of hopelessness because it was placed in the wrong person or the wrong thing. It was put in money. It was put on a child. It was put on the purpose of having this or doing this or you dream dreams as a young child and they still haven't come to fruition and maybe they never will. But your hope is it in Him because through His great mercy, there's a living hope, but it's found in Him. Not in anyone or anything else. In him is hope. In him there is life. In him there is sight. In him there is ability to hear. In him there is love. And he said, my words that I speak out are spirit and life. And if you can hear them, they will change you and captivate you. For I am the bread of life. And I said, eat of me and drink of me. He didn't say study me and learn me and do everything in the ways of man to understand me. He said, eat me and drink of me. He said, if you come to me, you will never be hungry and you will never thirst. That sounds like life. And there's a living hope for you and I to have within us. Where does it come through, though? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the living hope comes from the resurrection of Christ through the dead. 
No wonder Paul said, I want to know the power of the man's resurrection. Everything was completed at the rising of the sun. It is finito. The word is testalistai, which means finished, complete in Greek. It's a done thing. This living hope was found in the resurrection. That's why the Bible says the resurrection to those that are being saved is the power of God to enter into the fullness of the gospel, that the gospel would bring me into a living hope. A living hope. It's got a heartbeat. It lives. Are you hungry to know what it is? Because the Bible tells you what it is. And it's contained in Jesus from the dead. Did he not give his life that we would experience life? Did the seed not have to fall to the ground that you and I would be recipients of his life? Did he not send the Holy Spirit as his partner in crime to bring the church into the fullness of hope, faith, love? Are they not the core stabilizers of our relationship with God? Yes, being the greatest is incorruptible love, incorruptible hope, incorruptible faith. It's supernatural There's nothing natural about the gospel. It's supernatural. It's from another realm, and yet it visits earth, and it's continuing to go out among the airwaves of earth for the church to hear. You and I have been given the Holy Spirit that we would know the mysteries and receive them by the ability to hear them and see them and then live them out. This is for you today, what I'm saying. It is for every one of us that has put their life in the hands of Jesus Christ. It's his will for you to know it and to receive it and to live from it. He died for you to know a living hope. He gave his life, a resurrected life. They couldn't hold him down. There was nothing that can hold him back. He defeated death that you would know the fullness of life in him, him and you. And me. What an invitation, isn't it? It says, look, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance. Obtain an inheritance. So through the resurrection, there's the obtaining of an inheritance. Are we tracking? Do you want to know what your inheritance is? Which is imperishable unshakable. No one can come and nick it from you if you know what it is. You may not know what it is, so you're unaware of the unshakable inheritance that awaits you. It's sitting in your bank account untapped. Like we've said, it's like having $10 million and not even knowing it's there. So you're not tapping into what is there, and it's now, and it's the future, and it's the future, and it's now. It's a living hope. An inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Heaven and earth are passing away, yes? My body is perishing, yes? I'm working to try to keep it together. But it's perishing. The Bible says that my outer man is decaying, but my inner man is going from what? No, strength to strength. I've already gone from one glory to another. Okay, I've already gone from the old to the new. The glory's not going from strength to strength. Sorry, from glory to glory. I'm in the glory of God. It's the strength, my inner man, that goes from strength to strength to strength, to strength. What through? Hearing the word. Not the words, the word, the message behind the message. Receiving this living hope and you will go from strength to strength. You will run out the door prophesying and proclaiming the hope that I've received in Jesus. It's living, it changes us. 
it has an impact on the inside of us. It's changing my mind. It changes my heart. It changes my posture, my positioning, my passions, my priorities. All start to change. Why? Because of the living reality that's found where? Through the resurrection. And this thing is imperishable, undefiled. It's never going to fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you, us, who are protected by the power of God through faith. You see how important faith is? You're hearing faith, hope, and love. You're going to hear faith, hope, and love, but I'm focusing on living hope. But you're going to hear faith, hope, and love throughout the entire scriptures today. So this power of God that's protecting us, why is he protecting us? So we would come into everything he has for us. His grace is covering you and I, isn't it? Aren't you grateful? I'm forever grateful. His grace covers my ignorance, my disobedience, my lack at times, my unwillingness to live for him and want to live for me. He is what? Great mercy is being poured out upon me while he waits for me as a son to say, son, it's time to grow up. It's time to put your big pants on, son. You're now 17 years in me, and you've still got nappies on. You're still expecting to everyone to serve you and not serve them. You're still expecting coming looking to be, to be given instead of you giving something. Come on, Greg, it's time to put the pants on, son. Get the nappies off. My grace is covering your immaturity. I'm not came to keep you in immaturity. I came to mature you, press on to maturity. What for? That you would know the mysteries of the kingdom that I long to share with you that have been freely given. It would create such a living hope that's imperishable, undefiled. Do you think anything on earth is better than this? No. There's not a person or a product or a thing that's greater than what I'm talking about today. It doesn't even come close. Liverpool winning the league doesn't even touch it. Liverpool winning the Champions League 100 times over doesn't touch it. My marriage, my children, they don't even come close. I love them, but they don't compare to the living hope that's found in the Christ that is undefiled. These words, it's untouched, it's untainted, it's pure, and it builds me on the inside, creating an indestructible kingdom. Didn't I say that Jesus' words build the kingdom? Where is the kingdom, church? Within us. He's coming with his kingdom, but at the moment it's a spiritual domain, not a physical one. And so he speaks words that build the kingdom in the church. I build my church, and my church overcome everything on the earth. Satan, his schemes, the demonic, and the flesh. Nothing can come close. Why? Because I'm building a kingdom with a living hope as the goal. This is who we have been called to be. This is the word that we have missed and painted it up as irrelevant in the church. The eternal word has been thrown out by the church because we're so on today about trying to improve our lives today through this course, that course, this course, that course, that we've thrown out the word that sets us ablaze. We have to capture this through the seeking. Jesus said to the disciples of John the Baptist when they turned from John, he said, what do you seek? What a question. You see, they were captivated by Jesus, weren't they? They saw him. John, their teacher, had said, there is one coming who is greater than I. And when he comes, he will lead the people and baptize them in what? Fire and power. I'm here to baptize them from their sin. He's going to baptize them in fire and power. And when he turned up, his two disciples said, oh, there he is. And they left John and were going to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you seek? I'm like, what do you seek me for, Christ? My heart, my purpose, or just what I can do for you? What do you seek? I'm so good and full of great mercy that I will look after you in your immaturity. 
as you come looking to get every need under the sun met. I'm so good and so great, but I don't want to leave you there. I'll take whatever you give me, and then I want to grow you up. What for? Into this living hope that you would be the church that have always been in my heart from the beginning of time. So I give you my power through faith. What is faith again? The ability to see what is in, to have a conviction of what you're looking at in the Spirit. It's eyes to see what is in the unseen. I protect you with my power. My power propels you into this so you can start to see who you've been called to be, which creates a living hope. It's all about the ability to see. If we can't see it, we can't live it. Do you understand that? When Elijah was with his servant on the hilltop, what did Elijah see when the armies were surrounding? The angels. What couldn't the servant see? The angels. He started to panic. Elijah said, open his eyes that he could see who's in our team. Whole different perspective now is brought into light, isn't it? When you can see, whoa, you guys are in trouble. I was in trouble. We were in trouble. Now you're in trouble because the boys just turned up. But if you can't see and you're looking at the enemy, the large number of enemy, you're in trouble, aren't you? Because now you have another perspective. But the true perspective that you can't see, which is right in front of you, is you have a thousand legions of angels protecting you with power. The power of God is protecting us, what for? To bring us into living hope. Not for us just to live our lives underneath it. And just life is normal or the same. He's come to change and transform and to build us. It says this, let's go keep reading in verse 6. In this, sorry, uh, who protected us by power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Salvation is a process, okay? It is not incompletion, a one-off event. It's an event when you get justified in the salvation as an entire process of transformation as your bridal preparation. We're going from strength to strength, yes. We're going from one measure of testimony to another of the change of the life the Word is doing within us. We, as the church, are the people to be bringing living testimony daily of the transformation Jesus is doing within us. If anyone is comfortable with change, it's to be us. If we're not changing, guys, we're outside of the design. We're not positioning ourselves to be built because he says, I come to build my church and my church overcome the gates of Hades. So we have to know what the building patterns of heaven are and then we have to surrender our lives and place themselves under those things so we can be truly built and come into the life. That's really simple, isn't it? But it's profoundly mysterious and deep. And just attending services doesn't mean you're being built. Just praying and reading the Word doesn't mean there's any building work going on. If there's no change, there's no building work. Yeah? The blood of the Lamb, which is the resurrection creates testimonies. So the blood of the lamb has power. If you drink my blood, you'll have life within you. That will bring testimonies of not just the day I received Christ, the continuous testimony of the transformation of my entire life. And I will no longer what? Love my life even to death. So there's your process. One, two, outcome. Don't chase the outcome, chase the blood of the lamb. In him is life. We chase life, not him. Why? Because we're wired to chase the outcome. So through salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time, he's coming back, yes? Are we ready? Are we going to be the changed church? Do we even understand this stuff? Hear and understand. 
He says, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be on the alert, be on the alert, be on the alert. Why are you sleeping? Why are you sleeping? Why are you sleeping? Now, why are you chopping off ears? Why are you chopping off ears? Why are you chopping off ears? That's not what I'm asking. It's not what I'm asking. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Be ready, be prepared, okay? He's screaming this. Listen to this. You ready? In this, what? The inheritance. So in obtaining the inheritance, you ready? You greatly rejoice. Do you want to know where praise and worship comes from? Knowing him and who you are in him. You'll greatly rejoice when you understand the living hope that you've been born for and you've obtained the inheritance. You can't contain. Why? Because the truth sets you free. The truth will do what it says to do. What does it say? Anyone that comes to me will never go hungry and who believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you think you're going to celebrate that if that's your life? It's undefiled. It's indestructible. It's unshakable. A pillar that supports the truth. You're going to praise like you've never praised. We touched heaven. Heaven touched earth for about five minutes last Sunday. Who was here? Did you notice the difference? Did it impact you in a different way? I want that to be every time we gather. And that's fully possible. Something shifted, man. I looked up. I may have my eyes closed. I was here. And I could hear the sound that I've never heard before. I believe there was angelic presence here singing with us. And as I looked up, I saw people who don't normally do this. I heard people that were singing that normally don't sing. Because you see a lot from here. And it's not a judgment thing because I don't, I don't, judge, I don't know your heart. So you could be, but, but people were doing stuff they don't normally do. They'd stepped out of their normality, their humanity, and were actually, we were in somewhere. We were, he was here. There was something happening. It was about five minutes. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, what do you do from here? I don't know. I don't want to stuff it up, though. That is to be every time we meet, one-on-one, one-on-twelve, one-on-three, when we turn up on a Sunday. Why? Because the presence lives here waiting to engage See, if we don't really know him, we don't know who we are, then we just sort of come with this sort of apathetic ho-hum, oh, yeah, I don't know, go through the motions and go home again. But there's a reality for us, an inheritance that we've obtained, which is greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. See what it trumps? Trumps life. This stuff puts life into perspective. This living hope goes, that momentary light affliction, what to, compared to that. If you don't have something to compare it to, it's a hell. You lose a loved one and you've got nothing to compare that to, it's hell, isn't it? I lost my father in 2009. I celebrated because I have something greater to compare it to. My father, who was in physical pain, went to be with his maker. I celebrated his life. I cried from my head. My heart has never felt loss. That's weird, isn't it? I love my dad. Do you not love your dad, Greg? I love my dad, but my heart never felt lost because my love was full. My heart was full with the love of the father. So there was no loss. There was not a loss out of my heart. I cried from my head. I celebrated my dad was in glory. What does it say? Don't mourn like those that have no hope. Let the living hope define your mourning. There's nothing wrong with mourning. Please hear me. But does our mourn, is our mourning defined by our living hope? So these are, we go through things, but compared to what he's saying, it's like, let's greatly rejoice for a little while. He says this, so that the proof of your faith, you got some evidence to back up your life. Have you got evidence, the proof that you're what? In Christ. He's coming looking for proof, isn't he? He gave talents and came back and said, what did you do with it? Where is the evidence that you serve me? Oops. 
He's going to ask the same thing of you. Are you aware of this? He's going to call it out on a judgment day, and he's going to say, I gave you this, this, this. I placed you here, here, here. And what did you do with what I gave you? Where is the proof of the evidence that you were in me and I was in you? Now, his great mercy is covering us while we're growing, isn't it? But the great mercy is there because he's good and great, but he wants to grow us that what we would be so confident when he returns that we would go, well, here's the 10 you gave me, here's the 10 back. Why? Because I was in love with you, under your covering. I loved your brothers and sisters, my family, and I laid my life down for them. I heard the word, received the word, accepted the word. The word built me and I was able to live the life you called me to. Father, I have done your will. Not through my strength or ability, through hearing, receiving a living hope, faith, hope and love. I received, it changed me, I shared it and I lived it to the best I could. He goes, well done. I hope we all will be confident on the day. And I hope we're all calling on his return to come. I want to get out of here. But there are things that I know God has me to do before I go. So I live in this tension of going, actually, it would be greater if I went. But actually, for me staying, it's going to be more blessed for me to stay and work out what he has for me to work out. But I long to be with you. I long to be in your glory with you and to experience you. I am confident, not because I have anything of me to be confident, but I have his word, and his word is performing its work. Proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, this is your faith, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor Is our faith creating praise, glory, and honor? Is what I'm seeing that's in God, the inheritance that I have, creating a praise? Is my life full of worship 24-7? Not just when the music team hit the right chord at the right song at the right time. Oh, they missed that drum beat. They missed that fill. That was the wrong key, so I can't praise today. You're backing on the wrong horse there. He creates praise. He creates thanksgiving. It's irrelevant what happens here if he's here, if he's in you. There's grace for that stuff. Oh, yeah, we want to perfect the gift and we want to do well with what he's given us, but that's not going to hinder me. Because it's not based on that, it's based on living hope. It's based on a living Christ. It's based on who I am in that. He goes on, he says that the revelation of Jesus Christ, and though you have not seen him, you love him. (laughs) Didn't we look at Ephesians that we are to love with an incorruptible love? Why? Because you've come into a living hope. The word does what it says. It's so simple, but it's powerful. It does what it says. Which means we have to be in the word if we want the life. The word will produce the life in the church. We have to be humble enough and vulnerable enough and transparent and authentic enough to acknowledge that without any fear of condemnation because there is no condemnation for those in Christ. There's just growing up. He says, you love him, though you've not seen him. You've seen him, though? How do you love him if you haven't seen him? You have seen him, and you're seeing him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, 
fully convinced, haven't seen Jesus in the physical, I've seen him. You greatly rejoice, here we go again, with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. A joy inexpressible. It's a fruit of knowing Christ, isn't it? The joy of the Spirit. All of this is coming from living hope received at a resurrection through the gospel. It's found in the gospel. It's found in Jesus Christ. Obtaining is the outcome of your faith. The purpose of your faith is the salvation of your soul. He has saved your spirit. He will save your mind, your will, your emotions, transform that, which will then come out of your body, which means you'll be able to demonstrate Christ upon the earth. He's coming back for a perfect bride. Wow. Verse 10, and to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, These guys, man, they saw stuff that they weren't in and he's prophesied to the future people, us, a grace. What for though? To come into this full life. To know what we were called for. So they spoke of it. That would come to you, made careful searches, inquiries. Can you see them? They made careful searches and inquiries of what they were being shown. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So they are what? Seeking, searching God through the Spirit they had for us and the people that came after them. To share with them what? It says here, predicted the sufferings of Christ. The Christ would suffer and be rose again. The resurrection. What? To bring the church into glory. Glory in the church. Ephesians. Jesus said, I give you my glory. I give you the fullness of my life in you. Is that our revelation? Is that our revealed position? Through the resurrection, he comes to bring the glories to follow. Yeah? Wasn't going to happen in those days, was it? The fulfillment came when the Christ came, didn't it? I take the law, the Psalms, and the prophets, and they are all in me. I fulfill the whole lot. So it is not now in knowing facts. It is not known in principles. It is not knowing Jewish culture, custom rules, regulations, anything of the flesh. It is now found in the Christ, period. Boom. Drop the mic. So I Paul said, I have faith in who? All that stuff? No, Jesus Christ. It's all built on who? Jesus Christ. Where's the living hope? In Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? You'll get everything. What do you seek? Man, this is amazing. It was revealed to them, verse 12, that they were not serving themselves. You like that one? But you, other people laying down their lives for you. Isn't that what 1 John 3.16 says? Funny, eh? John 3.16 is God sent his son, who he loved, to lay his life down for the church. 1 John 3.16 says the church is to lay its down for life for one another. Isn't that cool? Put a one in front. Oh, that sounds like two becoming one, doesn't it? How much laying down of our lives is happening for one another here? How much of our seeking and our prayer and our reading of the word is not for ourselves but for our brothers and sisters? How much of our lives are given over? How much of our thought process even think like this? It ain't about me. I live for you. I spend hours and hours and hours. We spend hours. A person spends hours in prayer and meditation in the word for someone else. And the byproduct of that is they receive. 
Is that the way we live, guys? <sighs> you see, you can't in your flesh. It's impossible. You will live for you because you're designed to live for you if you're still living out of your flesh. But if you know this living hope I'm talking about, this salvation, this inheritance that is to be obtained, you know what happens? You start living, firstly you walk with him and then you live for him and others. It's just a natural outcome because his word sets you free. This is what he's saying, not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. (laughs) So they're not serving themselves but the church in these things which now have been announced to the church through those who preach the gospel to you by what? Their own understanding? No. Their own ability to understand words? No. Through their relationship with the Spirit, who is their teacher, who reveals to the one who's preaching the gospel what to speak. Because the teaching was not of Jesus, it was of his Father. If Jesus needs the revelation of his Father's teaching, do you think I do? Do you think I can learn that? Do you think I can study that? Do I think I can study the Hebrew and the Greek and I will know what to preach? No. It comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's so clear. I don't know why the church doesn't get this. The Bible says that Jesus, the Holy Spirit God, is to be the teacher of the church. Now, he uses a man or a woman, but if the man or woman has not received revelation, keep your mouth closed because you'll preach your version of something and it has no life on it. So he says the Spirit gave us the things that are freely given. That's how you have the mind of Christ. If the Holy Spirit is renewing your mind, up until that point, you don't have. You have the potential to. So it's the Spirit of God that teaches man the ways of God, the truth of God. And then the man or the woman then comes and delivers the utterances of heaven. 1 Peter 4.11. Nothing more, nothing less. Revealed manna from above. Spoken into the earth like the prophets did. And it's these things the angels long to look into. That alone should grab me. Angels don't know the stuff that I'm supposed to know. Work with me. This is incredible, man. I mean, whoa. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Do you know where this is won and lost? I don't believe that. I don't think that. No way. Okay, that's cool. His great mercy waits. If it's of him, it will be. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Fix your hope completely on the grace. We have been saved by grace. Your whole life is being graced by above to bring you into everything God has for us is by grace. Grace, it's not by my human effort, it's not by my human strength, it's not by my human ability because I've got an IQ that blows everyone out the water. It is only through grace, which means I need to be what? Humble. See, this absolutely smacks the face of pride that still exists in every heart. It comes up and it goes, hello, I'm humility, and today you're exposed for what you truly are. Surrender to me. What does pride do? Gets out the sword. Nah, my way's better than yours. Hmm. Hebrews, just come with me to Hebrews. Is this good? It's full, eh? Is it like a meal times 10? (laughs) 
He's a big God, man. We say, we don't want to figure God out. I want a God that's outside of my box. And he gets out your box and you go, get back in the box. (laughs) Hebrews 6, verses 9. It's called Better Things for You. Hebrews 6 is all about the great falling away. Okay? So he says better things for you because he's talking about the great falling away. And he says this, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you, talking to the church, and things that accompany salvation. Ooh. Things that accompany salvation, justified position, thought Though we are speaking in this way, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. I hope we're ministering to one another, guys. Discipleship is the way. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises the ability to see and the ability to wait on what already is inherit the inheritance, the promises. We're back into 1 Peter, aren't we? Verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he, Abraham, obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, here we go, God desiring even more to show the ears of promise. Who are we talking about now? Are we not called to be co-heirs with Christ? Do you know that means to reign with Christ? It means to be his partner in crime with the Spirit, to be this close on mission with God. So we're now talking to you and I, okay? Ears of the promise, the inheritance that's obtained through the resurrection, which creates a living hope and a living life and a life of passion and purpose and mission and fire. Praise, isn't it? Inexpressible joy, wasn't it? This absolute abundant life. Wouldn't Jesus say, you come through the gate, I'll not give you life, I'll give you abundant life. You'll go in and you'll find green pasture that's contained in me. Is these not the words of Jesus? Okay, he goes this, here are the ears of promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose. I would urge you, to get yourself to Sunday nights. We are unpacking his purpose. If you can't, for whatever reason, eat it online, but it's about being there. Because like Sunday morning, if you weren't here, you missed what happened. And you can't get that online because it's not online. So God turned up. If you weren't here last Sunday, you missed it. See, this is why we say come and be present because... When he moves and shifts things and you're not here, you can't catch it on the web. So the people that were here got to experience something that was amazing, which is God speaking to us. So he's saying his purpose. Do you know what his purpose is for the church? Your life. We say this, God, what's the will of God for my life? He says, have you meditated on me? Because I tell you clearly in me. So once again, 
heirs of the promise of the unchangeableness of his purpose for the church. Interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. What are the two things? One, that God swears by himself. And two, that God cannot lie. So there is an inheritance that awaits ears that God cannot lie and God has sworn by himself that it is there in him. He said it is take, what does it say? Take strong, take refuge in Christ, great mercy. And have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Have you taken hold of what Christ took hold of you for? Philippians 3, Paul said, I have not yet taken hold of what I have been taken hold of for. So there's a hope that is set before us that we are to take hold of now. Living hope. This hope, which is in Christ, it's Christ's purpose, and my life in that So the purpose of God is the hope. The inheritance that's in Christ is the hope. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. So the understanding of God's purpose through the resurrection and how my life fits into that is the anchor of, for my mind, my will, and my emotion. What does an anchor do on a boat? It holds it in place. Even if the waves through the wind knock it about, the boat may move, but the anchor holds the boat, doesn't it? The anchor of what I'm talking about, knowing God's will for you and I, his purpose, and the inheritance that's in God will create in our mind will and emotion and anchor that we would finish the race well because we know what we're running for and who with and who. Let me just read you what 1 Peter 3.15 says. There's a lot in Peter. See, he grew up, eh? After chopping ears off, the man grew up. Listen to this. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence, you would do this. Be ready to give in a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. A living hope. In and out of seasons. Not about seasons. Am I ready? If someone asks me, can I give them a living hope answer? Let me tell you about the purposes of God. Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about the man, the God that's changing me from the inside out, bringing me such to a place of life where I can't help but praise him. I can't help but spend time with him. I can't help but give my life. It's this other force living in me, this person living in me that I don't want to grieve and I don't want to quench. And he's just growing and forming in me. The Bible says that Paul said that Christ formed in me and it's creating this abundant life. And it's sealed in blood that God has said it would happen and God does not lie. Listen to this. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil 
where Jesus was in, has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So the veil got torn, yes? And Christ went through the veil, then he entered the Holy of Holies. He is the priest of Melchizedek. Then he turns around, he said, hey, church, come on. Come follow me. We're not just going to reach some lost people. We're going into the Holy of Holies. You're going to be what? Spiritual priests. Of the order of who? Melchizedek. Did Melchizedek have any physical bloodline? Was he a physical bloodline? No. Was there any priest that came out of the tribe of Judah? No. It is a priesthood of the Spirit. And the Bible says, we're going to read it and then we're going to close, that you and I are called to be what? A holy priesthood. Why? Because we understand and have a living hope. What is this living hope that I've been called to be a spiritual priesthood? I know my father. I know my father's purposes. I know how I fit into that, not as an individual first, but as a body. And then that defines my life as an individual. And I'm living out the calling and the commissioning as a people. It doesn't get better than that. This hope we have as an anchor for our mind, our will, and our emotion. A hope that is sure and steadfast, just like the boat is held in the dock or out at sea. And one which enters within the veil. Man, only one person could enter into that place, couldn't they? And then if that person wasn't right, gone. And they attached a bell to their leg, so if they fell over dead, ting, 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 and they just pulled them out. Next. Imagine having that job. Next, who was in line? Uh, everyone's running. This is you guys. My power and my spirit went beyond that into the Holy of Holies. We can all come and stand before the presence of the Lord God and not be ashamed, have no guilt, be washed clean and receive our calling and our identity and our purpose here on earth before God comes and takes us. It's full on. It's amazing through revelation we receive. Now just come with me to 1 Peter again, and then we're wrapping this. 1 Peter 2, verses 4. And just listen, hear these words, please, today. Let the words just send you into his presence. This has to be revealed, what I'm saying. Otherwise, it's just words. What do you see? You have to go. And spend time with God. And he longs to reveal his mysteries to you and I. It's purposeful. He says this, as living stones. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Remember what I started with, what God said to me in the car? The words that I speak, son, build a temple. And they also expose the false. They build the kingdom within my church, heart and mind. The revealed word, prophesied, preach, will build the church. Into a what? A spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Nothing to do with clothes. Nothing to do with sit down, stand up, do this, do that. Nothing to do with that stuff. Traditions that we've created that are dead. You know where that stuff comes from? The knowledge of the tree of good and evil. It's good, but it's just got no life in it. But we hang around what's good, not what's life. And there's where the hoodwink is, because we go, well, is that evil? No. It's just, is it good? Yes. But does it have life? No. So why spend all your time studying, doing all that stuff, instead of seeking life? Because you don't really know life, and you know what's good. 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who knows what these are? What is your first spiritual sacrifice? You. (laughs) He'll get you one way or the other. Offer yourself up. This is your first act of worship. And then stay in the place where I can come and do a work. Stop crawling off the altar and stay on the altar where I can come with my truth and transform you. Then, and only then, will we go and do some works that I will what? Inspire, lead, and fill you with my power to do. Why? Because you laid your life down So I could change you that now when you get off the altar and we walk together, you're not in your own strength trying to attempt to do works that you read about that you should be doing, but through your own strength. Hence, they exhaust you and there's no life in them and you want, what's going on here? He says, you know, you missed the step. You missed this transformational part. You missed the part where I come and want to do a work in you, Philippians 2.13, because you wanted to hang on to you. And ultimately, you might have been afraid of me, what I wanted to do, because you don't know me. And I was saying, give me this, but you said no. So that was holding you back. Just allow him. He's a loving father that loves you and was going to do this complete work within you and I. It doesn't hurt. It just brings life. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, which is the Son, yes, And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. His precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. I haven't got time to go into that, but that's very interesting. Verse 9, here's the bit for us. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may, what does it say? Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to obtain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. You're chosen to proclaim. What are you going to proclaim if you don't know you're chosen? How much of our conversations are taken up with proclaiming Christ compared to got the latest iPhone, what I'm doing on Facebook, the holiday I'm going on, what my kids are doing, what my wife's doing, what's happening in my life, my own study. How much of our time, guys, is spent prophesying and proclaiming Christ into the earth because we have a living hope within us of God's will and our inheritance which we are captivated by which is creating an inexpressible joy on the inside of us that we cannot but help but declare it's big eh but it's it's possible did you know that Taking notes, maybe write that. It's big, but it's possible. It's big, huge, but it is possible in God. So I pray you've received an aspect, something of Him today that has stirred you to want to seek Him. And that you wouldn't leave here going, 
that was a really nice message. But you would say, That's what happens to me. He shows you stuff and you're like... <laughs> you're like... Give me some time. Okay. Father, I thank you for today. And I pray, Father, that we would seek you with all we have to come into all you have for us. That we would know this living hope that would absolutely grab our spirit, our soul, and our body and would change us and align us and send us on a completely different path if that's what we need today into you. I thank you that you are bigger than us. I thank you that we can't put you in a box, Father. I thank you you're so outside of our capability and ourself to understand you, but with your spirit that you have sent to lead us, we can know the mysteries, we can live the mysteries out. They can be revealed mysteries, they can be living knowledge that we have, promises that are of who we are, and that changes us to be the demonstration of the church you long to see and have longed to see for 2,000 years upon this earth. We surrender again our lives today. We position ourselves and acknowledge, Father, our absolute dependency upon you and our interdependency on one another to receive from you and each other your word that grows us, the bread that we eat and the blood that we drink. In Jesus' name, amen.